What is up, everyone? Welcome back to an exclusive Zoom interview on the Shane Holcomb Show podcast. I'm your host, Shane Holcomb. On the phone today from Boston, Ryan Martin and Samuel Rice join me live. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Shane. Uh, happy to be here. Um, my name is Ryan Martin. I'm 15 years old from Franklin, Massachusetts, Franklin High School. Uh, like you, I go to play-by-play sports broadcasting camp. I've gone to their Boston camp since 2016. Uh, I'll be returning this year, so this will be my fifth summer going. I've worked with ESPN before. I've interned for some Cape League teams, and right now I'm writing for the It Means History. Uh, I'm writing for the It Means History blog, which I'll talk about a little bit at the end of this episode. Yep, I am uh, Samuel Reese. I go to the same high school as Ryan Franklin High School. And uh, I am currently in the 10th grade, a sophomore. And currently, when it comes to the sports broadcasting industry, uh, I have an internship with TechMahol.com, where I write sports articles, mainly Boston sports articles on there. And uh, I also commentate sports games on Sportscaster. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a fun time. Well, thank you guys for joining me today. And let's get right to it. With uh, the quarterback carousel and, of course, the latest NFL free agency, it's really been a frenzy. We're going to start with your guy, Boston native Tom Brady, moving down to the NFC South. And the first question I'm going to pose to you, Ryan, right now is, is the NFC South now the toughest division in the NFL with the signing of Tom Brady and with the Carolina Panthers signing of Teddy Bridgewater? I mean, I think it has to be. I'm really sad to see my guy Tom go. I mean – uh, ever since I was little, all I know is to cheer on 12 uh, quarterback in the Patriots. But when you look at the divisions and how good the NFC South got this year, I think they're far and away the best division. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater coming to the Panthers. You have Drew Brees, who re-signed with the Saints, keep quarterbacking them. Obviously, as you just said, the greatest of all time coming to Tampa Bay. And don't forget about Matt Ryan with the Falcons, too. He's got Todd Gurley in his backfield, too. Uh, I think that's a little bit of an overrated signing, but it's still Todd Gurley. And Matt Ryan's no average quarterback. Ranked five, fifth last year in uh, yards, passing yards. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, he finished fourth in passing touchdowns. So Matt Ryan's not a bad quarterback either. It's going to be interesting to see who wins this division this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're, you, you make some really good points there, Ryan. I, def- I definitely think the NFC South, is uh, one of the best in the NFL. I'm going back and forth between the NFC South and the NFC West. I still might give the edge uh, to the NFC West. I I know it's hard to do because the NFC South now with uh, Breeze and Brady, it's hard to go against that. But I still think the NFC West, now that DeAndre Hopkins is with the Cardinals, I think that's going to be very interesting in Arizona. I think they could possibly make a run of the wild card spot, especially with the – expanded playoff and uh you know the rams are an all right team and the seahawks and 49ers are going to be good um as they were last year as well you mentioned the deandre hopkins trade sam one that we're going to get into a little uh later in the episode um you mentioned the nfc west i think you got to look at the afc west also um you have the chargers you have the defendant uh defendant champions kansas city chiefs with mahomes and uh and you read that's not going anywhere the Chargers aren't going anywhere either. They have great talent. Probably going to draft a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, let's get to the second um, 
point that we got going on right here. Um, so we're talking about free agency. So of course, the topic of underrated and overrated signings appears. Uh, Sam, I'm going to start with you. Who was the most overrated signing in this NFL free agency period? Yeah, this was a little bit tough, but I, I, I have to say Austin Hooper for the most overrated. Um, I, I know I know there's a lot of hype around him, and he, he's a solid player, but I just honestly uh, haven't seen enough from him to convince me uh, that it's, that it's going to work out for him in Cleveland. And uh, to be quite frank, when you look at his stats, when he's in single coverage, uh, he, he really has had a tough time. Um, you know, when the defenses, you know, give him the opportunity to make plays, then yes, he's a very good receiver. But in, in man coverage, he, he has tended to struggle. So I just question uh, whether or not that's going to work out uh, in Cleveland for him. Uh, so yeah, Austin Hooper for me is the most overrated. Uh, when it comes to me, I think one of the most overrated signings of this uh, offseason period was the Todd Gurley signing by the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons are definitely a pass-first uh, team. Matt, earlier, another back for you is uh, attempts per game. He's second in the league last season, only behind Cam Newton. Uh, so Dan Quinn loves to sling the ball. You have a lot of weapons on offense. Uh, you did lose Austin Hooper, as Sam just said. Uh, but you still have Calvin Ridley. You still have Julio Jones. And Todd Gurley wasn't great last season. He's never been – he never uh, has come back from that 2017 season in which he won Offensive Player of the Year. He's been declining. Another injury, but he's been declining uh, ever since then. So I just don't see Todd Gurley having a major impact for the Atlanta Falcons this Ryan, I'm going to have to agree with you. Todd Gurley is my most overrated signing uh, of the offseason so far. You mentioned it. He was the king of fantasy football just two seasons ago uh, with the Rams when they made that Super Bowl run. You even saw him, though, when they were on that Super Bowl run. It was C.J. Anderson who was really carrying the ball for them. People tend to forget that. Anderson had a great game against the Cowboys in that divisional round. Um, but let's go over to the underrated side of things where players who don't get as many big uh, paydays and uh, who are on maybe some sleeper teams. Um, but give me a player or two that you think signed, that a team signed to a really good contract for a minimum salary. Yeah, well, uh, for me, it's it might surprise some, but I think Brashad Perryman. Um, I think a lot of people are kind of over overlooking that move from uh, Tampa to the New York Jets. And Perryman is going to be the um, replacement for Robbie Anderson. And from what I saw at the end of last season, I think this, this guy has a lot of potential. He's just 26 years old. I, I know it's still, it's still a long shot of whether he can be one of the best wide receivers in the league. But um, in the final three games of the season, when he was put into the starting lineup, he recorded a, uh, in the last three games, 100 yard games each time and didn't drop a single pass either. And I think, he, you know, since he is the replacement for Anderson, he's going to be a huge part of that New York Jets offense. I think he has a bright potential in front of him as well. And, you know, the Jets are one of those teams that could definitely make some noise in the AFC. And I think Rashad Perryman could be a huge part of that. I definitely agree with Rashad Perryman. Uh, be a big impact there but I really want to go to Emmanuel Sanders signing a two-year 16 million dollar deal with the New Orleans Saints we talked about it earlier when 
Uh, we're talking about divisions. The NFC South is loaded this year. And to give Drew Brees, who we know is a great quarterback already, to give him another weapon like Emmanuel Sanders, who we've seen not be what he once was, but for $8 million a year in this NFL, uh, to have a veteran wide receiver come in who's proven that he knows how to play in this league, catch passes from Drew Brees, I think that's going to be really underrated this year, uh, especially in that NFC South that's absolutely packed. Uh, you have a guy like Emmanuel Sanders come in and teach Michael Thomas. Imagine Michael Thomas, one of the probably one of the best receivers in the league right now, learning from a veteran like Emmanuel Sanders. I think that's pretty scary and a big underrated signing. Yeah, I give the Saints a really good chance to come out of the NFC in next year's Super Bowl. Uh, moving on, staying, uh, actually transitioning over to the AFC now, AFC West. Ryan, I'm going to start with you with the departure of Phillip Rivers over to the Colts. Where do the Chargers go now? Is it drafting a quarterback in the first round, the NFL draft, or maybe signing one of those free agents that are still available, like Cam Newton? Uh, well, Shane, you brought it up uh, when we were talking about divisions, is how good this AFC West is going to be. You have the Super Bowl champion Chiefs in this division, uh, a Raiders team that's looking better and better, a Broncos team that could definitely uh, play for a wildcard spot. This doesn't sound like the Chargers' year. No matter what they do for quarterback, this is more of a, I think, a couple years down the road plan. So for me, if I'm the Chargers GM, if I'm Anthony Lynch trying to develop my team right now, I'm trying to draft the quarterback. Uh, I like Terod Taylor. We've heard that the Chargers really like Terod Taylor. So I'd probably start the year off with Terod Taylor, but pick a Justin Herbert or a Tua Tagovailoa. I think it's one of those two. It's sounding like Miami's going to get uh, either uh, Tagovailoa or Herbert at the fourth pick. So if I'm the Chargers, I would take whoever's left out of those two with the fifth pick, develop them behind Taylor, and then maybe two to three years down the road, you can dethrone the Chiefs and make it uh, to be the winners of the AFC West. But I don't see them winning the, the division this year, and they shouldn't uh, get a quarterback in priority to win the, the division. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, definitely, Ryan. But I, I still think this Chargers team, um, you know, I still think they have enough talent to possibly be a wild card team. I know uh, last year was obviously a very, very disappointing and underwhelming, but we can't forget that this team has a lot of talent. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Tom Brady later, but that's why I thought, you know, L.A. really made sense for him. I, I know the coaching may be an issue there, but it's still it's still a very talented team, and they've already been making some moves that really uh, hints to me that they kind of want to compete this year. And while I do think the draft could be a focus of theirs, I, th I think the Dolphins will be getting Tua and then the Chargers probably Herbert. But if I'm, the, if I'm L.A., to be honest with you, why not take a gamble at Cam Newton? We can't forget that this guy was an MVP in the league. I know the uh, injury and, and, you know, the, the ego of Cam Newton is, is going to be a huge issue, which is why I wouldn't want him in New England personally. But right now the Chargers are with Tyrod Taylor. If they can get a good quarterback – then I think this team has a, has a legit shot at making the playoffs and maybe making some noise in the postseason. And, uh, you know, Cam Newton, he, he's, he's still out there for teams to, to, for teams to pick from. And I don't, I don't think the, the Chargers um, would be a team right now in the offseason that are going to hold off. I think they're going to go after either Newton or Winston. I, I think Newton is the guy they should go for. Why not take the risk? Because if you have a solid quarterback there, I think, I think that uh, Chargers team can make, a noise, so can make some noise, even though that division will be tough to get out of. 
Yeah, I was a big believer in the Chargers last season. I thought they could make a really deep postseason run. Of course, didn't happen. Struggled. I think they finished the year at 6-10. and 10. Um, Phillip Rivers uh, didn't play up to expectations. Uh, the defense, very talented. Uh, I agree with you, Sam. I was of the belief that Brady was going to go to L.A., new stadium. But why not trade up for a guy like Tua Tagovailoa, who I think is the best quarterback in the draft when healthy. I know a lot of people love Burrow. But watching tape and uh, looking at stats from college and how Tua Tagovailoa overcame a lot of adversity at Alabama, I know he had a lot of talent, so did Joe Burrow. But when you put those two next to each other, why not Chargers trade up to number two to secure Tua? Um, but we talk about that extra wild card spot this year with the new CBA, um, and that's definitely going to show up the playoff picture. But recently, there's been a lot of trades, Sam, a lot of trades in the NFL free agency offseason that have really shook up the league, shook up social media, definitely. But what trade in specific do you think will most shuffle the playoff picture most and could it affect a Super Bowl run? Yeah, well, it's uh, it's definitely a good question. I, I could point to a lot of trades, but the one I have to go with is DeAndre Hopkins moving out of Houston, which I think will affect the AFC South. And the AFC South is always a very interesting uh, division. Um, but yeah, that, that division intrigues me the most because I think the uh, Texans absolutely failed on that trade. Uh, and I, I think Houston's going to really be hurt without, without DeAndre Hopkins. He was a huge part of that team. We're already hearing rumors that uh, Deshaun Watson wants out. I think it's just going to be a disastrous and disappointing season for the Texans. And I think um, that might give the Colts an opportunity to get in a wild card spot. Uh, I think that will definitely be interesting with Phillip Rivers as quarterback there. Uh, the Jaguars got Eifert, although I still don't see Jacksonville being a legit contender. They might improve a little bit, but I still don't see them being a legit contender for a playoff spot. I do think Tennessee will drop off a little bit, but I still see the Titans having the opportunity to win that division now, and I think they ultimately will. And keep an eye on the Colts for a possible wildcard spot, because I, I think it's a real possibility that we see the Texans perhaps with an even record or even a losing record. Yeah, Sam, I definitely agree with you there on uh, how big the DeAndre Hopkins trade is going to be and how, uh, how bad of a deal it was for the Texans to do. I mean, Bill O'Brien, he's a good coach, but as a GM, he's about as good as my mailman, I would have to say. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting one. I think another big wide receiver trade, though, that's really going to shake up the league is Stephon Diggs being traded to the Bills. Uh, we saw the, that he really wanted out of Minnesota. He get, they strike a deal. Uh, Buffalo trades a couple of picks, including a first round, which is obviously a big pick, a lot more than the, the Texans got back for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but that they finally see, hey, Tom's out of the AFC East. Let's let's go win this thing. We haven't won this division in, in years. Uh, this is something to get our fans exciting, get get the fans excited. Bills Mafia will get riled up if the Buffalo Bills win the AFC East. So I really like that trade that uh, Buffalo made to be in win now mode. And the AFC East is all ours. Let's go attack it. Josh Allen, uh, young running back, Singletary, and now Stephon Diggs. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, if that impacts who comes out of the AFC East. Yeah, the Bills were one of the surprise teams in the NFL last season, have a really good run. Um, of course, got to uh, the postseason and had that utterly embarrassing choke at the Texans when Deshaun Watson came back from, I think it was 17 down 
in the fourth quarter to come back. Um, and I'm going to have to agree with you, Ryan. Um, I think the Bill, Sean McDormand, he's, he's in a win-now mode. Like you've said, they haven't won the division in over 17 years with, of course, the Patriots dominating of the last two decades. Uh, I think Diggs is going to be really good for Josh Allen's development. Uh, and the Bills have a scary good defense. People forget, uh, I think they were one of the best scoring defenses in the whole entire NFL last season. Of course, held the Patriots. I think they picked off Tom Brady twice in their game last season, if I'm not mistaken. Came close to beating them. Uh, but I think the Bills are definitely going to benefit. And they're my early pick for the AFC East. Transitioning to some big names, uh, award predictions. Ryan, I'm going to start with you. What is your early prediction for MVP? Maybe a conference by conference. Uh, so who do you think will win MVP this season right now? Uh, I think the easy answer is to say a re repeat Lamar Jackson uh, for how good he's been playing. But we rarely see uh, NFL voters pick for two in a row. I think it's going to be Patrick Mahomes taking home his second MVP. We saw how he turned it on in the postseason, looking like a vintage Brady in some of those games, coming back from uh, multiple score deficits. And you really saw what he can do with a Chiefs offense during that playoff run. They did lose a couple of pieces uh, to free agency, but pretty much that defense is still intact. We've seen Patrick Mahomes play well under a good defense. And I think your key pieces are still there. You still have Williams. You still have Tyreek, Helvis Speedster, Nicole Hardman uh, coming into his sophomore season. So I think Patrick Mahomes still has all the weapons around him. Andy Reid still coaching him up, one of the quarterback whispers of this league. So I think uh, Patrick Mahomes takes home his second MVP in three years. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree with you, actually, uh, Ryan. I, I have to go with Patrick Mahomes. And I, I don't think there's um, much you can argue against that because um, there's nothing showing me that he's slowing down. And you're exactly right. This Kansas City Chiefs team who are uh, coming off of a uh, Super Bowl win, of course, uh, still have a very stacked team like like you were just talking about. And I definitely have, have them uh, winning the AFC and possibly winning another Super Bowl. And Patrick Mahomes, he is the new face of the league. And just what a great player he is. But if I had to focus on the NFC, uh, I'd, I'd also have to go with another quarterback in Russell Wilson. I think this is a season – we saw him have, uh, you know, some sparks last year. I think this is the year where I think the Seahawks are going to win uh, their division and uh, be – they perhaps could win the NFC. I, I really do think that. I think Seattle are going to be a very solid team. And I think Russell Wilson is going to have a very great year as well. But if I have to pick an ultimate MVP, I do have to agree with you, Ryan Patrick Mahomes. Going off of your point, Sam, uh, with Russell Wilson, people forget how great of a season he had last season. I think that he would have been in the MVP running unless it was for Lamar Jackson's absolutely historic season running the football and, of course, passing it uh, for a lot of yards. Um, but I think Russell Wilson, uh, if the Seahawks, the key to Russell Wilson's MVP success, of course, any person's MVP success is their team success. And the Seahawks, they had a quietly good uh, regular season last year, uh, had some good wins, went on the road to beat Philadelphia in the playoffs. People put an asterisk by that, even though because of Carson Wentz getting hurt in that game. And I have to agree with you also, Ryan. Patrick Mahomes the best quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion, better than Lamar Jackson. Him and Andy Reid are also the best quarterback coach uh, relationship in the NFL. Uh, 
We're going to get into the preseason quick. Uh, but before that, I got to pick Patrick Mahomes also for the MVP. I mean, the kid is an absolute monster. He's got ice in his veins. Coming back in the fourth quarter last year against one against probably the best defense in the NFL in the San Francisco 49ers, lifting them to victory um, after he didn't have a very good first half in that game. Uh, starting off with you, Sam, uh, COVID-19, of course. Uh, we're going to have a couple questions about that. But Rob, uh, sorry, uh, Goodell uh, just uh, issued a statement that's saying that the draft is going to be held the same dates. I think it's the 23rd to 25th. Definitely not going to be held in Vegas anymore. But if this COVID-19 thing affects the preseason, uh, there's a lot of new quarterback uh, coach relationships in the NFL like we've been talking about. So how does a preseason shortage affect those that have to learn a new playbook this offseason? Sam, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, it, it, it will definitely uh, play a factor. Obviously, we, we have no idea. No one knows when this, uh, this virus is going to go away and how much it will uh, have an impact on, on the preseason. But I, I definitely think you, 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 hit, you hit it right there, uh, Shane. There's a, there was a lot of movement just over the past week at the start of free agency. And, uh, you know, the best example probably is Tom Brady, who's been with the Patriots his whole career now with a brand new team after two decades with New England. And it's going to take time to learn the system down in Tampa. And, yeah, if the preseason is shortened, uh, we don't know how much it will be shortened. That could definitely play a factor. And we could see some, you know, a little rustiness in the beginning of the season and a little unfamiliarity with the playbook for, for multiple quarterbacks across the league. But, you know, may, maybe if they're forced to chop off a preseason game or two, I still think four is too many in the first place. Starting next year, I believe, they'll just be three preseason games. If You know, if, if it comes down to only playing two preseason games, I still don't think it's the it's the end of the world uh, because usually the starters don't play until you know the third. Sometimes they only play in the fourth preseason game, and yes, it it might uh, you know alter backups from having an opportunity to to show what they can do in the preseason. But we really don't know how how short it's going to be. But it will definitely it will definitely play a role. I definitely think so, especially with all the moves going on in the off season. Sam, I definitely agree with you there. It's going to have a big impact. I mean, we've been talking all this time, uh, basically all this time about the transactions that have been made. This has been one of the uh, most busy offseason, as you said, called it a frenzy. Everyone's moving everywhere. You have GMs quarantined at their house boards. They're like, hey, I'll just go trade for DeAndre Hopkins right now. Uh, so they're all – everyone wants to get in on the action. And I think if they – there's only two preseason games, one preseason game, you're going to see that spill into the regular season. As Sam said, the unfamiliarity. Uh, we usually – there's a – people know September football is not always the best football. Uh, you have to wait until they're, everyone's used to each other. But who knows? That could carry into October maybe. You see uh, DeAndre Hopkins still getting used to Kyler Murray in Arizona. Um, so I think this is going to have a huge impact on just not knowing each other, not knowing, you know, where new wide receivers like to have the ball thrown. Uh, linebackers not knowing how to communicate with their safeties and cornerbacks yet. So I think this could lead to a little bit more sloppy football uh, at the beginning. Uh, and hopefully that won't last too long, but the coronavirus will definitely have an effect. Yeah, hopefully COVID-19 doesn't track into the OTAs and into the preseason. We're going to shift to probably the most, uh, most uh, 
we're going to shift into the most topic that people want to hear today against from you guys from Boston, of course. Uh, talking about the Patriots, your beloved Patriots, uh, fans for your whole life, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, so a lot of people nowadays are talking about the story with Belichick and Brady and how this has been planned for a couple of years on both sides. Both are going to – both knowing that they were going to move on. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to start with you on this one. Uh, who's going to win the short-term divorce, Belichick or Brady? And also going into the long-term divorce because, of course, Brady's not going to be in this league for forever. Yeah, that's a good one. I think there's two different people who win each divorce. Uh, I think right now in the best position is Tom Brady. You got to say that. He just got to choose where he wants to go. He has almost complete control of the offense uh, of Bruce Arians, who's known to be a quarterback whisperer, a speedster, and Mike uh, Aaron Godwin, Chris Godwin, uh, Mike Evans, who's the tallest wide receiver Brady's ever had, uh, which could be interesting to see. Uh, and you see Belichick, who doesn't even really – I think he might know, but there's still uncertainty whose quarterback's going to be. Uh, so I think right now, short-term-wise, Brady's in a much better position. But, I mean, you've seen Belichick be Belichick. So, I think long-term, he'll find a way to win this divorce, uh, possibly win a Lombardi. I think if he wins a Lombardi without Brady, that cements his place as uh, the first six were due uh, to Belichick, too, not only Brady. So, I think that's what we're, we're competing here is to see who has individual success, uh, which can account for the success that they had together. But uh, short-term Brady, I think long-term Belichick. Yeah, absolutely. You're 100% right, Ryan. Uh, short term, no doubt about it, it's Tom Brady. Uh, you know, a, a brand new look for him down in Tampa Bay. And I think all of us were surprised that he did ultimately go to the Buccaneers. Uh, but, you know, when you look at it just from a football perspective, it's a very it's a very good team. Uh, Brady's surrounded by weapons like Godwin and Evans. And, you know, yes, they're, the Buccaneers are the losingest franchise in NFL uh, history and actually all of the uh, four major sports in the U.S. But Brady is – Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. I think he's still got in him to make another run, and he could definitely uh, turn this team around as long as they're on the same page. We could see as soon as this year, because Tom Brady knows his time is running out, that we could see the Buccaneers make a run in the playoffs, and then Tampa Bay will not be the laughing stock of the league anymore. Let's remember that when Tom Brady started with the Patriots, they were – always uh you know one of the worst teams in the league new england so i i definitely think tom brady has the capability of, of turning that franchise around very quickly uh but long term when you're talking about long term it's bill belichick yes there's you know there's gonna be some tests for him now that he's without tom brady but first of all belichick's gonna be around a lot longer than brady i do think a lot a lot longer um I think I think Belichick wants to catch Don Shula in the all-time win list as well. That's why I don't buy when people say the Patriots uh, should or are going to tank to get to draft Trevor Lawrence. That's not going to be the case as long as Belichick's still the coach. It's still the same Patriots organization, and they're going to find a way to win. And uh, and Belichick's definitely not the guy that's going to be okay with tanking. He will want to win, and you know we'll see what what kind of moves they make in the draft if Stidham works out. But this New England team is still going to be a solid team. They're not obviously going to be the dynasty that we're used to, but they're still going to be a team that makes the playoffs. And I think in the next couple of years, we could possibly see Belichick make a run with this New England team and win the divorce when it comes to the long term down the road.
Yeah, and we talked about earlier the relationship that people are going to have with new quarterback uh, coach relationships. And I know he's going to have a new quarterback, but this Patriots organization has been so stable for 20 plus years. You see no news get leaked at all from the Patriots organization. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, a lot of news gets leaked. Brady might have to deal with a lot of that. And if it's anyone that can do it, it's Belichick. I think he's the greatest coach of all time. It's going to be interesting to see, though, because we've never seen Belichick and Brady not together, at least since Belichick's been a head coach. I know he was an assistant coach for the Browns a long time ago. You talked about Sidham earlier, Sam. We're going to start with you on this. Uh, who will be the starting quarterback for the Pats week one? And maybe give a little early prediction for 2021 once these better knots have come out. It's been really interesting to see Trevor Lawrence maybe uh, sign Deshaun Watson. Uh, what are your thoughts on Belichick's plan? Because I don't think that he doesn't have a plan. I know that he knows what he's going to do down the road. He knew this day was coming for years, uh, like a lot of articles have said. So who's going to be the Patriots quarterback week one? And maybe will that quarterback still be there in 2021 or will it be another guy? Yeah, it's it's those are two really good questions, uh, Shane. I I'd be surprised if Jared Stidham was not the quarterback in Week One of this upcoming season. Uh, I think I think the fact that the Patriots have uh, stood pat in this off season and have not gone after any quarterbacks. I mean, we still have uh, Cam Newton, Jameis Winston on the market, even uh, Andy Dalton, Alex Smith are, uh, are guys that the Patriots could easily go after. But the fact that they're not doing so, I think shows that Stim is the guy that New England have confidence in. He's been with the organization for a year. And I think if the Patriots did go for someone, you know, a big name like Newton in the offseason, there's just more risk along with that. I think the Patriots know what they have for the most part in Stidham. Obviously, people like myself haven't seen much of him. I mean, he had a good preseason last year. It's obviously a small sample size. But um, from what I've heard, you know, from people that are close to the team, they've, uh, they've, they've seen good things from Stidham. And I think uh, he has the – I heard that he has the ability – to air the ball out deep downfield. And uh, I think Belichick feels the same way. So I think Jared Stidham is the man going forward. And uh, the, I, I don't think you're going to see any moves uh, for, for another quarterback for the rest of this offseason. They got Brian Hoyer. I think that's just to mentor Stidham and give him some motivation because you aren't given anything in an organization like New England. They're not just going to hand the starting position uh, to, to Stidham. They're going to, they're going to, you know, give, give him some competition. And, uh, you know, if things don't go right, at least you have a guy in Hoyer who's been with the organization for a while and knows what the winning ways are like. But, uh, yeah, you know, Stidham, Stidham was solid at Auburn. I think a lot of people kind of forget that. And, uh, you know, as for 2021, it's kind of a, we'll have to wait and see situation. If things go right with Stidham, then yeah, I think uh, I think he's the he's the guy going forward. I really do. And uh, even though M Mel Kiper in his mock draft has the Patriots drafting Jordan Love this uh, this upcoming draft in a, in a month's time, I, I I don't see them going for a quarterback. I, I think Stidham's the guy. Um, I, I feel like they would more go for a wide receiver, perhaps Van Jefferson of Florida. His dad played with New England, so there's a little connection there I'm not, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm any college football expert but I, I don't think they should go for a quarterback I think they should see what they've got in Stidham 
And, and, you know, if things don't go as planned, then next off season, you can perhaps look at the market or perhaps focus on the draft as well. We'll kind of have to wait and see for 2021, but I definitely think Jared Stidham is the man this season. Yeah, Sam, I, I completely agree with you on that. Uh, I think that Stidham, obviously, it's, we're kind of pretty late in the offseason here. Patriots have just 800000 in cap. Uh, so it's unlikely that they're going to sign one of the big names like Jameis Winston or Cam Newton. I keep coming back to the uh, fact that, you know, Brady was about to get traded. Brady was almost traded to his hometown 49ers. Belichick tried to trade him. Uh, Kraft had some special words for that. We're not going to repeat that on Shane's show. Uh, but so uh, Belichick tried to trade Brady. And then Brady was pretty upset about that. And once Garoppolo was traded and Brady and uh, Brady told Belichick, hey, I'm not cool with this. I'm going to leave soon. Uh, there was the time between uh, Halloween day, 2017, that Garoppolo got traded and the day that they drafted Jared Stidham was like almost two years. Uh, it was like, so it's been a while and Belichick was forming the quarterback he wanted. He knew he was going to replace Brady. Um, and then the draft rolls around and there's rumors of the Patriots targeting Daniel Jones. They don't draft him. There was rumors of the Patriots picking Drew Locke, who was there with the 32nd pick in the draft. You remember that? But he knew that this kid from Auburn was his quarterback of the future. Uh, so he picks a 6'2", 216 lanky kid from uh, Auburn. He, he's only thrown four passes uh, so far in his NFL career, so not a big sample size to see what he has. But I think Belichick has a ton of confidence in this kid. So I think he's definitely the starter for week one of the 2020 season. And as you said, the 2021 season, I mean, if Deshaun Watson walks out of uh, Houston, I don't think there's any way, even Bill Belichick, he's going to make a run at that. Uh, but I think he just has too much confidence in Sidham right now. So I think he'll play it one year right now, see how Sidham does. If Sidham's awful, then maybe go look for a guy like Deshaun Watson. But I think Jared Sidham's a guy to lead this Patriots franchise and continue the excellence Brady left behind. Yeah, and it's going to be really hard for Sidham because you don't really want to be the guy that's replacing the guy. You want to be the guy that's replacing the guy who's replacing the guy. Um, he's going to have a lot of pressure in the Gillette Stadium this fall. Uh, but let's talk some Boston sports other than the Patriots. Of course, you got you guys fellow Boston natives. Uh, Sam, we're going to talk a little bit about the Bruins with you. You watch a lot of Bruins games. Uh, so kind of give the audience a little bit overview. They were the best. They had the best record in the NHL going into, of course, this hiatus. How does that affect them? And can they make a push for the Stanley Cup uh, at the end of the season? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this Bruins team are currently on 100 points. They were coming off of a big win against the Flyers uh, where they shut Philadelphia out in that game. And uh, they, they were, uh, you know, play, playing their best hockey really throughout the season. 44-14-12 record, best team in the league uh, by eight points. So they're on 100 points, eight above the Lightning. And uh, things were looking very promising this season for the Bruins. And unfortunately, the coronavirus had to, uh, had to ruin the momentum that the Bruins are really carrying into this playoff push. And, uh, you know, after last season's devastating uh, Game 7 loss in the Stanley Cup Final against the Blues, I, I will be honest with you as a Bruins fan myself, 
I didn't know if the Bruins were going to be able to bounce back because you see so many times when you when you go that far and you think it's your season, which the Bruins, everything went right for them in that postseason. The Lightning got swept in the first round. Uh, the Capitals, Penguins went out. They had a pretty easy road, and they got all the way to the finals where they played the where they played the Blues, and just a devastating loss at the Garden just wasn't their night. And it was always going to be tough to bounce back. They still have, for the most part, the same roster. Um, they got Andre Kasha during a free agency from the uh, Ducks. And they also got um, Nick Ritchie, Brett Ritchie's brother, from the Ducks uh, before that trade line. And so um, I, I think I've seen glimpses of Andre Kasha that have been promising because they definitely need help on the second line. At times, the first line has carried this team, which is one concern of mine. But this team is playing their best hockey this season. And I definitely think this break is going to hurt them. I think it's their last run in the wild, too, because you have veterans like uh, Patrice Bergeron, Dano Chara, David Krejci, and they're getting up there in age. I think this is their last real shot at the cup. And they were just rolling so much. I think this break might hurt them. But then you can look at the uh, other end of the spectrum where it might be good for these veteran players to get some rest. You know, the Zidane Charas will definitely of the world will definitely be um, will definitely use this uh, break to their advantage to to rest up and be healthy coming back into whenever we resume the season, whether that's you know June or July. Uh, for for the postseason, but I think that this hurts them a little bit. But then you also have the the older players who do have the ability to rest up and get healthy again. So I think you know it's a win lose situation here for when this coronavirus pandemic came in and halted the season. But uh, whether when whether or not uh, you know the season resumes, which I think it will, I hope I hope it will, because this is really the Bruins' season. Uh, whenever that may be, I think the Bruins will no doubt be a, a cup contender either way. But we'll see if this break, you know, hurts them a little bit. But they're no doubt the best team in the league in my eyes. And the way the playoff picture is set up uh, by division, the Bruins would have to play the Lightning most likely in the second round, which are the two best teams in the league. So it would be no easy path. But I think uh, Boston are definitely up for the task. And this might be their last year in a while to make a run at the Cup. And uh, unfortunately, this coronavirus uh, – came in at maybe the wrong time, but we'll have to wait and see, really. Yeah, and you talk about the Bruins. They've had a lot of success over the years. Boston sports in general, you guys have been really lucky with all the championships that you guys have won, including the Red Sox, Ryan. Big Red Sox fan that you are. Um, they're losing a couple pieces in the offseason, David Price and Mookie Betts, both to the Dodgers, actually. They won the World Series a couple years ago, didn't have the best season last season. How can they get back on track? Uh, this season and make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, Shane, as you said, we've been pretty spoiled with championships. Uh, and you pose a good question, how can they get back to, the, to, to that championship level that you saw in 2018? And as a Boston fan, I'd love to be optimistic. I'd love to be excited about my Red Sox uh, if they were to play. But I, I, I'm a realist too, and this Red Sox team doesn't look like they're going to be very good if they get the season off and running due to the coronavirus. They lost three of their best pieces uh, – you lost Price and uh, Price and Mookie Betts, obviously in that blockbuster trade to the Dodgers. We just heard that uh, Chris Dale, their ace for years, is going to have Tommy John surgery, leaving your rotation looking like Eduardo Rodriguez, Nathan Avaldi, and Perez is your top three. 
uh, which is not what you want uh, contending uh, rotation to look like, uh, which is why they're not contending. It's not going to sound like they kind of fixed their uh, second base issue with Jose Peraza. He's aging, though. Alex Verdugo, the new, the new kid that they got from the Dodgers, he's shown optimism, but he's definitely no Mookie Betts. So in terms of what this team needs to do to be a championship level, uh, Shane, I'm going to be real with you. They need a lot of luck, man. They need a lot of luck coming off a year uh, where they finished 84 and 78, uh, whole 19 games back of the Yankees for first place in the AL East. So I don't see that this year being the Red Sox year. We'll see. Uh, we know that there's no that uh, Boston's always a big destination for free agents. So we'll see if they can get anyone uh, next year. But it's not looking too good whenever the season starts for the Red Sox. Yeah, you mentioned the Yankees, and the Yankees only got better in the offseason. I mean, with the sign of Garrett Cole, they did lose uh, Gregorius to the Phillies. Uh, but the Red Sox, another franchise who have really uh, been very consistent over the past couple of years, even if it is 84 wins like you talked about earlier, that's still really good uh, in the MLB. Uh, so I'm going to actually throw in another question. I want both of you guys to answer this before we move on to the Celtics, Sam. Um, so with the season being shortened, uh, maybe they won't even get in 150 uh, – my bad. They might not even get 120 games in this season. Sprint training, of course, getting canceled. How does that affect teams that will get hot at some points and also some teams that have some lingering issues right now, kind of like Yankees? Um, that might be benefited from this rest time before the season starts. Uh, Sam, I'll start with you. Yeah, sure. It's it's definitely going to play an impact. I mean, look at last season, the uh, Washington Nationals. If uh, you know, halfway through the season, they were they weren't even in a playoff spot yet. So that's definitely interesting. I mean, the MLB having such a long, long season. Um, there's no doubt that it could that it could play a, a huge role. I definitely, um, you know, think re rest will be big for a team like the Yankees, who I, in my opinion, will run away with the AL East uh, this year. But I will say, uh, when I'm talking about the uh, Red Sox, yeah, it's been it's been a disastrous offseason, really. I have no confidence whatsoever in them. But I will say, the shorter the season. The better, the better I think it is for the Red Sox to, you know, at least I think the, the if the season's shorter, the you know the races for the playoffs will definitely be closer, which which could be very interesting. So I think that's a factor to consider as well. We obviously don't know how long the season's going to be. I heard they're considering doing seven inning double headers, perhaps. So uh, we'll have to wait and see, but it will definitely uh, make the season all the more intriguing. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, as you said, Sam, uh, last year we so, saw so many streaky teams. The best example being the Washington Nationals, who got hot at the perfect, perfect time to win a World Series. Um, so, yes, Shane, it's definitely uh, – we've seen in past history that teams have gone in these streaks, and that's probably – the momentum is just really not there for if your games, as uh, Sam said, like a seven-inning doubleheader, and you lose – like both games, your momentum's crushed. Um, and there's just not enough time to get a hot streak going and bring that into the playoffs. So I think that could really have an effect. And Sam, as you said, it could hopefully have a positive effect for the Red Sox as they try to get one of these two very scarce AL uh, wild cards. Okay, guys, we're going to move on to your beloved Celtics. Uh, Ryan, you're wearing a Celtics shirt right now, but we're going to turn to Sam for this topic. 
Sam, uh, the young Jason Tatum, the new star of Boston sports, as wrote by Ryan Martin. Uh, I think the Celtics will handle this uh, virus. I mean, of course, all the NBA teams that were hot, it's going to, it might be hurting them, but at the same time, it's also a winning situation for injuries uh, on the Celtics. But a young team, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and the addition of Kemba Walker has uh, surged them past some of the East teams like the 76ers over the past couple of years. Can they finally get over the hump uh, whenever the playoffs start uh, in July or whenever they do start? Can they finally get over the hump and get to the finals uh, this postseason? It's possible. I mean, when you look at the talent on the team, I, I think they're they're capable of doing it. The problem is they have so much talent. Can all of the talent be on the court at the same time? That's, that's the real lingering question. So unlike the Bruins, I think this break came at the right time for the Celtics. They've been dealing with so many injuries. It's been very frustrating. Literally every game, one of their star players was out, whether it was Kemba Walker for an extended period of time, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart. And also the Celtics were struggling a little bit, uh, you know, the last week or two before uh, the play was suspended. So I think this is a good opportunity for the Celtics to – to regroup and, you know, ju just a time for them to heal all of their players. And uh, I'd expect that, you know, maybe the NBA to play, you know, maybe five more games of the regular season when play does resume, just so they're not rusty immediately. And then we'll see the playoffs coming right around the corner. So I think it's a good time for the Celtics to get very healthy. And if they have the likes of Walker, Hayward, Brown, Tatum on the court at the same time, Yes, they can do something special. I definitely think there's a team that's capable of making the finals. I really think uh, health is the, is the biggest factor of all. Uh, the Bucks are always going to be a hard team to beat. I think that would be a seven-game series. And if the Celtics played to the best of their capability with all their players on the court, really a coin flip at that point, I think that will be the Eastern Conference final. I just don't have any faith in the 76ers. But I think this break does benefit the Celtics, in my opinion. Yeah, and Sam, I'm pretty optimistic about the Celtics. I have been for the whole kind of regular season. I know you mentioned the Bucks earlier, but the Bucks are all the Bucks are always in this situation. You see them have a really good regular season. Of course, Giannis Antetokounmpo is having one of the best PER seasons of all time, efficiency-wise, and you can't take that away from him. But you saw him choke a 2-0 lead uh, last postseason against the Raptors, who eventually went on to win the NBA titles. Uh, how is Giannis going to perform in the playoffs? That's a big issue. We've seen the Celtics players step up in the playoffs before, specifically Tatum and Brown. Uh, and, of course, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals in 2018 just to meet the man LeBron James himself and lose in seven games. Uh, Sam, I know you're shaking your head right now, but we're going to move on uh, to European soccer, in specific the Champions League. All the uh, European soccer leagues right now are being postponed. Uh, Premier League in specific to May 1st. Probably won't start then. How does this break impact teams like Manchester United or like Arsenal or like Tottenham who are trying to push for this top four spot? Of course, you, uh, you and I, both big Chelsea fans, uh, hopefully they can get over the hump. We've had a lot of injuries also. Uh, Pulisic being out, Tammy Abraham being out. Basically, uh, I think it was seven first-team starters have been injured the past couple of weeks. Uh, so hopefully they can get back to full fitness. But when do you think the season is going to resume and how could that play out in the Champions League spots?
All right. So yeah, there's a lot of um, factors to take into account, uh, especially in European soccer, because you have the, uh, you don't only have the question of who's going to be the possible champion if you are unable to finish uh, these, these uh, European league seasons but you also have the question of the top four who's going to be in the champions league next year and then relegation and promotion too from the lower uh, divisions uh to the higher divisions as well so there's so many question marks really uh to, to be answered shane and i i personally uh think that it would be best for them to finish this season no matter how long it goes i don't care if it goes all the way into september i i, I think it's it's better to finish this season rather than just cancel it all together. And if you had to start the next season later, so be it. You can, you can, you can get around that. I think I'd rather have a delay, finish this season, have a delayed start to the next season rather than have none of this season's to the next season as scheduled. That's my personal opinion on it. And there's definitely a lot of question marks. If, if this virus stays around longer than we expect, uh, how, you know, what, what are you going to do with the Champions League spots and how are you going to finish out this Champions League season as well? And I know uh, we are Chelsea fans, Shane, but if we're unable to finish out the Premier League season, you have to give the, the trophy to Liverpool, don't you? I mean, they're just running away with the title. And unfortunately, there would be an asterisk under it uh, just because they haven't officially clinched the title. But that would be tough, especially considering that they haven't won the league in, a, what, what is it, 30 years? Uh, but I think you have to find a way to finish the season. What is there, 10 games left? You have to figure, figure out a way. Yeah, you talk about the relegation teams, and, I, and you just mentioned it uh, just while you were talking about Liverpool. I was going to bring them up. Haven't won the Premier League in title in 30 years, of course. Champions of Europe uh, last summer, of course, uh, just getting knocked out by Atletico Madrid in that stunning uh, collapse at Anfield, where they never lose, it sounds like. Liverpool have been on a pretty bad streak of lately, though. Their form is not the best so far, uh, with losses to Chelsea in the FA Cup game, and losses uh, to Watford, at Watford, and then just losing to Atletico Madrid. Um, thank you guys very much for joining the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Uh, Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, last minute shout-outs for uh, IMH. Uh, yeah, uh, if you guys uh, want to check it out, definitely. Uh, me and Shane are part of a sports blog called It Means History. Uh, we write a lot of great sports blogs about different diverse topics. Uh, we do interviews, too, yesterday. Uh, shout out Patrick Dallahan, one of our writers. Got to interview new Eagles uh, defensive back Will Parks. Uh, we learned today that we are uh, in the process of getting Donald Parham, the tight end who used to play for the XFL's Dallas Renegades. He actually ranked third in receiving yards for the XFL. Just got signed today by the Los Angeles Chargers. So we're going to have that interview coming up soon. So, yeah, definitely go check out It Means History. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, having me on the show, Shane. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'm Samuel Reese. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, tuning into the uh, podcast. I appreciate it. And, uh you can check me out on Sportscaster at Loomis. It's Samuel backwards, L-E-U-M-A-S. Uh, I commentate sports games on there a lot. I do soccer, uh, basketball, hockey, baseball, uh, football, and tennis. So literally every any sport you can think of. And uh, I also write uh, sports articles on techmohole.com. 
So uh, make sure you check that out as well. And uh, yeah, it's been a fun time. Thanks for having me, Shane. Well, once again, guys, thank you for coming. Once once again, thank you for coming on. Uh, This episode was awesome. Uh, Ryan, thanks for shouting out. It means history. Uh, I'm actually just a brand new, uh, brand new administrator to the website. So I'm going to have articles up on that blog soon at uh, it means history on Wix on Twitter at it means history. Also on Instagram, definitely go follow social media pages. We're going to produce a debate uh, podcast soon, probably once a week, starting off uh, in the square, maybe again to twice a week in the summer. We're going to have a lot of good guests on it too. Like Ryan just mentioned, we've already had a lot of NFL players uh, receive our emails and respond. We're working on a lot more interviews and articles on that website. Definitely go check it out. Uh, For Ryan Martin and Samuel Rice, I'm Shane Holcomb. Stay safe, everyone. Love you guys. God bless.